Hillary Clinton won't answer any questions. Here's going to be the problem come next fall when I'm her opponent. She's never been cross-examined by a prosecutor like me. And she'll be cross-examined by a prosecutor like me on the other side of the stage, and she won't be able to stand up to the scrutiny. From WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio, it's the Christie Tracker. We have a system of laws in this country, and those laws need to be followed. This president, he makes Jimmy Carter look strong. I don't think anybody who knowingly came here illegally should become a citizen. Feels like I'm back in Jersey for a couple of minutes. I'm David First. What do pig crates, fried Oreos, and a dwindling press corps have in common? Later in the show, Matt Arco over the Star-Ledger tells us about Christie's trip to the Iowa State Fair. First, though, it's down the rabbit hole. If I had a world of my own, everything would be nonsense. Nothing would be what it is, because everything would be what it isn't. And contrarywise, what it is, it wouldn't be. And what it wouldn't be, it would. You see? It's been sort of a through-the-looking-glass Alice in Wonderland couple of weeks for Governor Christie. Consider his statements on Hillary Clinton's email controversy. Let's just have an analogy here. Can you imagine if after the bridge investigation began, I came out and said, oh, by the way, um, I've done all of my business as governor on a private email server, and I've deleted now 30,000 of those emails, but trust me, none of it had to do with the bridge. Give me a break. That was Christie on CNN last week, bringing up Bridgegate as an example of his own transparency. And this was no one-time comparison. The man who deleted a series of texts during the George Washington Bridge lane closure investigation had this to say on Fox News. The fact is, the laws apply to Hillary Clinton, whether she thinks they do or not. Was there obstruction of justice? Uh, Did she delete emails or order emails to be deleted when, in fact, she was under subpoena from the House of Representatives? I'm telling the truth, and she's not. Curiouser and curiouser. To help us make sense of these statements, we're joined by Lewis Carroll. No, oh, not Lewis Carroll. Matt Katz, who covers Governor Christie for WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio. Welcome back, Matt. Thanks, David. So clearly the campaign strategy right now is to go after Hillary and to suggest that he uh, is still the guy that can beat Hillary in a general election But uh, to bring up uh, Bridgegate, uh, should he go there? It's perplexing to me. And yes, he thinks he's the guy to beat Hillary. He wants to beat her like a drum, is the quote he used. And moreover, he wants to convince Republicans that he is best able to get on a stage and go after her. And in order to make that case, he's breaking a longstanding precedent that he's always had, and that's that he won't talk about ongoing investigations. Now he's not only commenting on it, he's saying that it looks like Hillary Clinton is guilty of obstruction of justice. He's drawing a comparison to the most vulnerable thing in his political background. And that's not just Bridgegate. That's also missing electronic messages from Bridgegate. That's some of the most significant questions that are still outstanding about Bridgegate, and he's bringing them up. Here he is on CBS's Face the Nation this week, and let's let's really break down this statement. After criticizing Clinton for deleting emails sent while she was Secretary of State, uh, he was asked by John Dickerson about uh, a series of texts he sent while a legislative hearing was being held on the lane closures at the George Washington Bridge, texts that were since deleted. 
Democrats and those supporting her have said, but Governor Christie had some missing texts. Well, let, me, let me say this. Uh, you know, we had 12 missing text, mess, text messages that were sent to me by someone when we weren't under investigation and didn't even know what was going on. Mrs. Clinton deleted emails when she was under subpoena. You know, in my neck of the woods, we call that obstruction of justice. Okay, so the, I, I count five things that are in the least misleading. He begins with, we have 12 missing text messages. The context of this is December 9th, 2013. It is exactly three months to the day when the lanes were closed. The first day of the five-day lane closures at the George Washington Bridge. And the first testimony is being held before the legislature about what happened. And it's damning testimony. It's the first time officials say that this lane closure was not due to a traffic study. These top-level officials from New York who work at the Port Authority are saying they knew nothing about a traffic study. So they are refuting this the whole cover story that Christie officials have been saying. And while this hearing is going on, the governor is sending and receiving text messages. 12 missing text, mess- text messages that were sent to me. 12 missing text messages that were sent to me, the governor says. That's not true. They were sent to him. And he was sending text messages as well. That's right. This was a ongoing exchange that happened, as our colleague Andrew Bernstein pointed out, during very pivotal moments of the hearing. Christie wasn't there, but he was watching it. Was sent to me by someone when we weren't under investigation and didn't even know what was going on. Sent to me by someone. Someone was his incoming chief of staff, Regina Agia, who is his chief of staff today. So this was not some random person that was sending him text messages. This was his chief of staff, who was also involved in what was happening with this whole scenario during these few months. So that is the someone he's referring to. And then he says, when we weren't under investigation, but he was not under criminal investigation at the time. He would not be under criminal investigation for another month. However, there was a legislative investigation going on. The legislature was subpoenaing officials from the Port Authority. Three days after this hearing, his number two official at the Port Authority would be subpoenaed. His number one official at the Port Authority had already testified to the legislature that was running this investigation. So yes, they weren't under criminal investigation yet, but they were certainly under intense legislative investigation. We weren't under investigation and didn't even know what was going on. And, you know, that remains perhaps the biggest question of Bridgegate. He says he did not know what was going on, but certainly it seems to us, when after going through thousands of pages of documents, that he and others knew something was going on. He makes a distinction between 12 deleted text messages and uh, big numbers like 30,000 emails when he's talking about Hillary Clinton. These two situations are way too similar, regardless of the number difference. And they're way too similar for the governor to keep pursuing this as a message on cable TV and talk radio. He's also using his experience as a federal prosecutor. He actually released a campaign ad this week. Now, Hillary Clinton thinks the law doesn't apply to her. Really? We need a strong law enforcer as president. Someone who says what he means and means what he says. He's making the case that when he was a federal prosecutor working for the federal government, the rules were clear. You use your work email for work business. But we know that the governor in New Jersey, where the rules are also clear, 
where the rules also say you're supposed to use your work email for work business. We know he was using his personal email for work business. And we know that because the one email we do have, the only email that has ever come out from this administration, that wild scene resignation statement was sent from Chris Christie's personal email account to his chief spokesman. Clearly government business, right? I mean, he's talking about the resignation of an appointee. Well, here he is talking about uh, Hillary Clinton on this issue on uh, the Hugh Hewitt Show this week. Why did you have a private email server in the first place? And why were you doing official business to the government over a private email server? The only potential explanation is that she was trying to hide the things that she was doing and saying from relevant uh, discovery by the public through the right type of uh, request under the Freedom of Information Act and maybe even from her own bosses. Did Governor Christie just defend the Freedom of Information Act? Yeah, it's amazing. As you know, we've sued the governor for all kinds of information under New Jersey's Freedom of Information Act, which is known as the Open Public Records Act. The governor has never been very cooperative when it comes to complying with requests to see correspondence. Uh, this was quite a surprise. And in none of this do I want to suggest that Hillary Clinton doesn't have her own problems and her own... Oh, uh... for sure. And yes, yeah, she may have done something super illegal. I hate the fact that she was using a private email address. I hate the fact that it's standard for all politicians, it seems, to use private email addresses for the sole purpose of keeping stuff away from the people who pay their salaries. And I don't care if that's Hillary. I don't care if that's Christie. I don't care if that's the, the local dog catcher. But when you're the biggest scandal of your political career involved emails, by the way, the time for some traffic problems and for Lee email was sent on a private email account. When the biggest scandal in your political uh, history revolves around email and using private email to get around public scrutiny, why make this your issue? Well, Matt Katz, who covers Governor Christie for WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio, writing a book on the governor due out in January. Thanks again. Thanks, David. I keep wishing it could be that way Because my world would be a This is the Christie Tracker Podcast. I'm David First. Governor Christie is back from another trip to Iowa. This time he was at the state fair and uh, taking questions from the crowd at the political soapbox hosted by the Des Moines Register. New Jersey Advanced Media's Matt Arco was there for every beer, every fried food offering, speech, protest, and gestation crate visit by the governor. And he is with us now for a recap. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Thanks for having me. So, yeah, it was, it was a pretty wild weekend, a fair amount of protest activity, including the three protesters jumping up on stage during Christie's speech. This is a question about hog crates. And uh, oh, here we go. <laughs> well, so that was his, the, his controversial veto of a pig gestation crate bill that we may, may have heard of here in New Jersey. And it has, you know, really followed him over to Iowa just in terms of what happened. The governor is at the, uh, the the famous soapbox, just giving his spiel, taking a Q and A from the folks. Two protesters and then a third woman uh, jumped on stage and were immediately dragged off by police. I have to tell you the truth: when something like that happens, and I'm here in Iowa, man, I feel right at home. <laughs> Feels like I'm back in Jersey for a couple of minutes. They were protesting the governor's veto of this pig gestation bill, which is it confines gestating pigs in a crate. A lot of animal rights activists find it as a cruel tactic 
in New Jersey, we don't have any pig gestation crates, so that's how Christie justified the veto. But a lot of folks, uh, it was a bill with uh, 2016 implications. His proponents of the bill were, were saying that he was pandering to an Iowa audience. After the Q&A at the soapbox, he went for a visit to, to check out some gestation crates? He did, he did. So after going to the pork tent, which is every, every presidential candidate stops at the pork tent, uh, he actually, I was, I was talking really briefly with Governor Branstad just about Governor Christie's visit. That's Iowa Governor Branstad. Right, and I asked him a couple of questions, and he said, you know, we're going to go check out the gestation crates right now. Come along, come along. And he invited me to come along, and, and we walked up, and we saw the gestation crates, and Governor Branstad was explaining them to Governor Christie. Terry Branstad says that the, the, the reason the crates are so important is that the gestating pig won't fall over and kill the piglets. Both governors were very excited and pleased to kind of... Uh, to show me firsthand exactly what was going on there. What really jumped out at you about uh, this trip to Iowa? What was most significant? The real thing that jumps out is that the amount of reporters covering Governor Christie, especially in Iowa, had, had dropped down. Okay, so I was the only, on this trip, the only New Jersey reporter that followed the governor there. There were a couple other New Jersey reporters for his uh, most recent trip to New Hampshire. And there were other reporters there, but, you know, Iowa and the Iowa State Fair is a chance for presidential candidates to come in to get a lot of attention from a lot of national outlets. And the amount of national outlets that were there covering him had just sort of dropped down. You know, it's not that Christie's campaign is dead in the water, but it's, it's gone from an uphill struggle to an even steeper uphill struggle. How he's going to captivate folks and, and, and hold on to an audience if folks aren't covering it. Well, Matt, you were the only New Jersey reporter there. It's going to get to the point where the governor is happy to see you. <laughs> yeah, that will that will be the day. Uh, the governor was there with his family, the first lady Mary Pat, and their and their four children. The mood was, was it was a happy mood at the fair. They seemed to all be enjoying it. And for what it's worth, the governor's reception among Iowa fairgoers was really good. I mean, a lot of folks were happy to see him, and he was kind of walking around just enjoying it. During his soapbox session, the governor seemed to move the needle a little further to the right uh, yet again on his uh, immigration stance. Well, if I'm president of the United States, I don't think anybody who knowingly came here illegally should become a citizen. I just don't believe they should become a citizen. And I, I, think, I think American citizenship is an enormous gift. It's an enormous gift. And if you came here by breaking the law, I don't believe you should get citizenship. Yeah, you know, I pointed this out with uh, folks and his staff because, you know, I, I've never heard him take such a forceful stance like that, even though he possibly could have. But I've never heard it quite that forceful. And they said, well, no, he sort of said these things in the past. This is online with what he said in the past. But in adopting this sort of or really fully embracing this candidate as the, the, the lawful candidate and the prosecutor and tough on crime, this was a further tack to sort of the right to say, okay, hey, if you came to this country illegally, you broke the law, and we can't stand for that. We have a system of laws in this country, and those laws need to be followed. He said, you know, we'll, we'll figure out how to treat the people that are already here fairly. Well, I, I don't understand. That doesn't really – how can you say that millions of people that are here illegally don't deserve citizenship and say we'll treat them fairly? That was certainly a new, uh, new development. What was the worst thing you ate while you were there? Oh, come on. The worst thing, the best thing I ate? I had a, I had a deep-fried Oreo. I had to try it. I had to do it. And it, it didn't disappoint. I only had one, but it didn't disappoint. New Jersey Advance Media's Matt Arco uh, covers Governor Christie for the Star-Ledger and was covering the governor on his latest trip to Iowa. Thanks again, Matt. Thanks, I appreciate it. The Christy Tracker Podcast is a production of WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio, thanks to associate producer Joseph Capriglione. Our theme music is by 29 Hour Music People. 
You can subscribe to the Christy Tracker podcast on iTunes. You can like us on Facebook, and you can follow Matt Katz on Twitter at MattKatz00. That is Matt, K-A-T-Z. I'm David First, and really, what would you say if someone made obscene gestures with a corn dog at you? Uh, that's a really interesting comment. You know, this is a wise guy who forgets that I'm from New Jersey. You're minor league compared to what I deal with most of the time, brother.